As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Coach fights really should be a bigger part of the college football experience. I really think it should be, <laughs> might even be a factor in the playoff. Pete Thamel. Yeah, we should get like our own buffet line at the national title game. You know? <laughs> and Pat Forty. Come on, Stillwater Snowflake. Toughen up a little bit. I thought that was ridiculous. And here's Dan. Welcome. Second season Yahoo Sports College podcast. New season. Same boring name. But how about that opening? <laughs> Dan Wetzel. We got Pat Forty. Pete Thamel. We're really throwing, they're really throwing some money in the show this year, guys, huh? <laughs> Not just that drumline thing. That's right. Now we, the we Stillwater Snowflake. We got our own hype man. Did that yeah. light sponsorship finally come through? No, where the hell is it? <laughs> I got an email from Bush Light people. They were going to send me some beer for their Bush Latte promotion. I don't know, but nothing has shown up. So what's a Bush whatever. Latte? I don't know. I'm, not, I'm a little concerned, but they <laughs> I think they just are calling it Bush Latte. Like, you know, funny. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't know, but they didn't give me any. So forget it. Go get some Keystone Light if you want. I don't care. <laughs> We're we're wide open from a free agency standpoint. Yeah, <laughs> come on, beer companies, we'll take who, which one had the seventy seven case? That that natty that was natty. natty the seventy seven pack was yeah. natty light. Yep, yes. there are people. Seventy six yeah. ain't enough. In losing the race for the cases this year, I sent Pat his case of Sierra Nevada. Pat is nothing if not consistent. He loves Sierra Nevada and all its high caloric intake and. While doing it, I was certainly annoyed because I lost to Pat and I knew Pat would like razz me about it for the rest of the year and not forget it in, you know, very quintessentially Pat ways. So as a revenge, I also included a 12 pack of Bush Light just because it would like get in the way and annoy him. So I hope that's like sitting in the corner of your fridge and you're like wondering what to do with it. And like, you know, do, do you just drain it and throw it away? Do you give it to one of your kids when he comes home or she comes home? Like I, I, Honestly, I, I basically did a filibuster Bush Light as like a uh, as a sort of beer f u to Pat for beating me in the race for the case. I, I love you, Pete. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I did try to get my son to take it to the lake, and he wouldn't do it. So, <laughs> not even a college kid wants the bush light. It's a lace curtain forties. Don't tell me Brooke drinks it. Is Brooke drink? Because that's how you power an Olympian with bush night. Brooke is Brooke is twenty years old. She abstains. <laughs> Just like you did at Missouri, healthy. Pat. Right. Yeah, That's right. Very healthy. I was not a trained <laughs> athlete in Missouri. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, I just like that it's going to yeah take up space in his fridge. It's hard to yes. throw out beer. I it is. People bring it. beers over. I, I don't do want. It. Like, it's like some chocolate-based one or something like that. And it's just one <laughs> bottle will sit in my fridge for two years because I'm never going to drink it. I don't know anyone that would. But it's hard to pour. You just don't want to pour out a beer. Can't do it. I've got 30 buds sitting in my garage that have been there for like two years. Nobody wants <laughs> them, but it's beer. It's a principle of the matter. You can't just throw it away. I got to slip through, slip through Louisville. I'm glad it's my plan's beer. working by the way. Like, yeah, yeah. excellent. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, college football is about to start uh, a couple weeks here. I, you know, nothing gets me, I love college football, but it does kind of depress me because that means the, it's the end of the summer. So I kind of I have lukewarm feelings about the start of the season. I'm not one of these guys. I think people in the South get really excited because that means the really hot weather is over. But in the in the Midwest, no, 
Uh, so, but I would ne- I would be in a state of utter depression at the end of the summer if it wasn't for college and pro football. Like it would just be misery. Yeah, because I'd just be like, oh, the good part of the year is over. Uh, what do I got? So I, my life is fairly empty otherwise. <laughs> so you know, I'm excited that there's something called Week Zero, and it doesn't even involve the UConn team or anything like that. <laughs> it's only college football, by the way, where the Big Twelve has ten teams and the Big Ten has fourteen. Do you have hmm. Week Zero? Right. And we have you week know. zero. Yeah. It was like Coke zero. No calories this yeah. week. Should we uh, should we start by you guys both went on like exotic foreign trips for uh, athletic adventures in the last few months since we last left our faithful listeners, which I believe was in San Jose in my hotel room at about three thirty in the morning, Pat, uh, when we taped the uh, taped the final uh, the final podcast of last season. Would you guys like to shed some insight into uh, Pat took a junket to Asia? To watch Brooke swim, and Dan obviously covered the uh, covered the women's World Cup, and I would be curious about those experiences. Um, go ahead, go yeah, ahead, Pat. The beer's not very good in either Tokyo or Guangzhou, Korea. I can tell you that. <laughs> so I was. That's I what was you're getting next get... year if you win. You're getting Guangzhou <laughs> brew. <laughs> great, great. Thank you. Um, no, was, I mean it was awesome. Went to Tokyo for like five days, and that was boy. That place is going to be awesome for the olympics next year it is going to be great it's it's a phenomenal city that is well organized well run the trains are fabulous the food is mostly excellent the city's super modern um that was great uh guangzhou korea i would say none of those things about but uh it was an interesting life experience i know dan you had a good experience in korea i Uh, liked korea yeah 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 good people yeah. yeah, the people were very fine. They, they were fine. They were no problem. It was everything else. The weather was brutal. The food was brutal. Uh, the swimming conditions were brutal. And the swimming performances, at least one of them, was brutal. So, Ooh, but wow. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Back up. Yeah, just like no, it's, it's every fine. coach that bitches, every coach that bitches that Pat's too mean to him, he just trashed his own daughter. <laughs> We are yeah. six minutes into the podcast, so for the season, I mean, Pat ripping I, on his daughter swimming performance. We're going to have to do a sick, my daughter. Yeah, no, no. Say something nice about your daughter, please, Pat. We're going to have to bring that old bit back. <laughs> I didn't say anything she would not 100% agree with and actually right. say ah. in more, more right. dramatic and desperate terms. So it's there all good. Go. All right. The Guangzhou Chamber oh. of Commerce, unfortunately, will not be our sponsor on the podcast this season, huh? I didn't. I didn't go to that town. Yeah. I was in. Uh, I don't know where I was. Some <laughs> near the mountain. Yeah, there were some mountains and stuff. It's yeah. very cold. I remember that. I went to France. I didn't love it. Uh, didn't love France, it. France, not my favorite country. No. People, uh, they 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 sit in these cafes <laughs> in these little teeny tables, <laughs> and they don't talk to anyone but the person they came with. Like they don't even. People are like they don't talk to the Americans. They don't even talk to the other French people. <laughs> They're all just, I'm like, what are you guys doing? You guys have any fun around here? Like, I like a bar. You just, you right? just described Starbucks. So, I mean, that's in America. That's the same thing. I don't go thing. to Starbucks. So I don't go to Starbucks. Right. I, yeah, they just sit there and talk. And it's like nobody, there's no fun. I, they, I like meeting all the people. The Koreans. I love the Koreans. They were great. Great people to meet. Fun. Even the Russians were more fun. Sochi. The bars of Sochi are better than France. Dan Wetzel, least, people person. Here we go. I'm a people person. I'm lovable. <laughs> lovable, huggable, you know? I mean. Did I recall, people. Dan, from social media, some uh, overt patriotic 4th of July Bud Heavy celebration that you. Uh, there was. Okay. Doug, Doug McIntyre, yep. a colleague at uh, at Yahoo and I, we worked, uh, we wrote many, many, many stories. Uh, and it got to July 4th and we filed early. and We, we, we had a plan. To take back America while in in uh, Lyon, France. <laughs> so we we got a cooler, and then you know we don't have a, you don't have a car, so it's not easy. You got to find the get a cooler, and then you got to get uh, the Bud where there's Budweiser, so we could get some American beer. But they only can call it Bud okay. because there's actually a Budweiser in like Czechoslovakia or something. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. And they get the they get the the full name, and we had to find ice, which is not easy. <laughs> That's for sure. And then Doug went and got McDonald's. And so that was our, <laughs> that was our uh, Go America. Wow. How patriotic. And, uh, we, drank, we drank a lot of them. Yeah. 
I, I like how you qualified that elaborate story like you didn't drink any other night you were there. It was just the 4th of July. <laughs> Pretty much every night drank there. Uh, drank a lot with the parents of the uh, of the team. Uh, any other Americans wandering by. But So good job by the, uh, the team. They were very good. I just, I don't really recommend uh, France. I mean, you know, they got some museums and stuff, a couple paintings. Um, but... <laughs> couple paintings <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little mona you lisa know, whatever de- decent architecture i guess meanwhile but other than that, in, no in, good bars yeah but in korea you, know, you can get goobney chicken so that's great right is that good, what you're goobney chicken me? yeah yeah good <laughs> goobney chicken is fantastic i'd do that i'd oh. go to korea before back to france so oh my god anyway <laughs> what a philistine Unbelievable. all right so if anyone's still listening <laughs> We now will move to the college football part of the podcast, uh, at least a little. Um, so, you know, we can check back here at the end of the season, see how wrong we were. But uh, we came up with a couple of like the we think are the big storylines of the year for college football. And um, since we're basically tabloid media vultures, why don't we start with uh, people getting fired and off the field drama and things like that? Uh, I, I throw this out to each of you uh, percentage chance. Let's let's involve math because that always is good percentage chance. Pat Urban Meyer is the head coach of USC by, say, December 15th, the Ides of December. Um, I'm going to say. Fifty one percent chance. Ooh. Uh, I think he I think he's coming back if there's a re- good job and that's a good job. I do think, and I talked to some people uh, for a column this week uh, on Urban, that he, he would probably like a new athletic director as well and somebody who's, who's established and got some gravitas because uh, I don't think he wants to go in there with uh, Lynn Swan as the, the person in charge of a complete dumpster fire. But I think, he, you know, I think he's going to coach again. I would not be surprised if he coaches again quickly. And then if, if the job is right, there's, I mean, that's a pretty darn good job. It fits the mold of the last two jobs he took. It's, you know, super tradition, national championship level tradition, unbelievable natural recruiting base, um, a, a winnable conference, uh, certainly winnable division in a winnable conference. And, uh, the, the place has hit an ebb since, since, since the glory days. And so he can be the savior who brings it back. And I think urban kind of likes that role. So I think, I think it could happen. All right, Pete. I would say there's certainly a chance, but I would say that it's less than that. Um, we'll start at USC with this. I is 99.7% chance. Lynn Swan is fired by, um, Columbus Day, let's just say. We'll say Thanksgiving. Whoa. We'll give him some time. Yeah. <laughs> now, Lin Swan, Lin Swan is not going to be back at USC. Uh, they've had multiple federal investigations. Now, I'm not saying like he was with Tony Bland in the parking lot with Christian Dawkins or whatever, but like when you have two major federal investigations happen on your campus under your watch, and when you are literally sleeping at 7 a.m. when they call you to tell you that one of your assistant coaches, actually your associate head coach in basketball, has been arrested. It is the kind of the perfect metaphor for Lynn Swan. And, and, you know, the lesson USC should have learned the first time they hired a celebrity AD when they hired Pat Hayden, who was an accomplished businessman and a smart guy, but had no experience in college athletics. And everything went to hell at USC under Pat Hayden. So they, of course, hired another celebrity AD who was an accomplished football player. And that's fallen apart as well. So this has all been predictable. Certainly no one could have predicted the federal investigations. But Hold on. Yeah. What time is Lynn Swan supposed to wake yeah. up in the morning? I can't hold being I, asleep at 7 a.m. Well, against yeah, yeah, him. I, I, I can't. I'm sorry. Seems like he's living I, his best life. I can I mean, hold what, many things. I can hold many the things hell against are you Lynn doing? Swan as administrator, but not being asleep I work at on seven. Sundays either. I, you know, he doesn't really Pete, attend what, the what are you doing at 7 a.m. very Pete? often. <laughs> Pete, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you at 7 a.m. every day to see if you're awake. <laughs> up and going at seven. It's like I just uh, did a triathlon. I'm yeah. reading to the blind now. <laughs> like what? Don't forget, I usually bathe lepers at around 7:30. Yeah, 7 a.m. <laughs> Whatever. It's a USC job. You don't got to do much. I will say. I will say this, and I am. I'm more of a late sleeper than a early one, but an early riser. But I will say this: yeah. on the West Coast, you kind of have to be up earlier. 
Do you agree with that? Like, Pat, you were just out at, at Stanford for a couple for like a week. Like the world's going by 7 a.m. West Coast time. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Although, I don't know if I'm used to West Coast time, I'm probably still asleep at seven. I don't know. I, I again, Lynn Swan's got a lot wrong with him, I think, as an athletic administrator. But <laughs> sleeping all the way to 7 a.m. is not what I would consider a fireable offense. Maybe we'll call our Yahoo College Sports Fantasy team uh, Lynn, Swan, Lynn Swan's alarm clock. There you go. <laughs> so you, uh, so you're pretty sure he's fired. He's fired. Uh, which, and then the first six games, pretty much assure Clay Helton's going to be fired. Off the top of my head, I believe they opened Fresno home, Stanford home, BYU road, Utah home, at Washington by at Notre Dame. Correct. And I would say right now there's like a fifty percent chance that Helton is either fired or like nudged to the edge of the plank with a bayonet uh, by the time they go to South Bend. I think like the last two coaching changes, they've had interims in South Bend for that, uh, that they've, that, that they've had. So I think there's a, a couple variables with, uh, with, with urban coming back one in, in the conversations I've had with him the last couple months, there's no urgency or burning desire to come back immediately. And, and I think ultimately the best judge of that will come sometime around mid October. And, and Pat Pat wrote a great column on this, and that notion was in there. Like, once the foot hits the ball and once the adrenaline surges of coming out of the tunnel happen, I think he's going to have to gauge his feelings and, and see and see where he is. Urban isn't necessarily an L.A. guy. Like, I just don't know if that's the if that's the most the most organic fit. He's got a really good situation where he's in Columbus right now, where, he, you know, he lives over on uh, Muirfield, the golf course, his daughter and son-in-law who's the associate quarterbacks coach at Ohio State and their two grandkids both live right next door like it's all pretty easy for him there now and LA is not as easy and so I don't know does he come back eventually probably you know that's 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 the that's the belief amongst most people around him you know when and when and where becomes the uh you know becomes the becomes the variable there and uh no one's sure of that right now and I think even him Pat said something earlier. I does he really want a strong AD? Like he doesn't listen to anybody. Uh, I, I, you know, I talked to someone want he can kind of bully around. Well, I think he wants somebody that'll listen to him and at least have some ideas. May I mean, maybe he's not going to do what they say per se, but I mean, I think between Gene Smith and Jeremy Foley, and really you can go back to Utah and Chris Hill, he had pretty pretty good, solid, good ADs. accomplished ads. You know that. Uh, I'm not sure they could tell him what to do, but they could offer uh, guidance or support or something to the, of that nature. If he did go to USC, they'd need money, a lot of money, because they have to pay Clay Helton a lot of money to get rid of him. And they can they can get money. You know, I mean, certainly they have money in their SC, and they their boosters are richer beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Uh, you know, they can just go to the slush fund that the uh, that the SWA was running to uh, to pay for part of the buyout, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I think Vars- that, uh, you know, I blues, do, baby. Yeah, I do think that, like, even at the richest athletic departments, the 10 plus million just isn't like, you know, hanging around in a cabana on campus. You know, like it, 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 the point here being like Urban will want a big, giant staff like he has at, had at Ohio State. You know, basically like replicate that enormous model, which costs a lot of money. So I do think a strong AD at this point in his career is going to be someone who gives him what he wants in terms of facilities, opportunities, and staff size and budgets. And and he's going to have to buy away top coordinators. He's going to have to buy away top recruiting guys, personnel guys, all that stuff. So, um, you know, he will only go, he's not going to go to Colorado state or something like that. Um, he, you know, will only go to a high end Cadillac job where he could win a national title. Um, that's pretty obvious just considering his last two jobs. And he would want that to be running on an Alabama level. I uh, I think that this would be ideal if it was another year. Uh, I do think like two years, maybe this time. I, I, I agree with you guys that like he, he probably isn't looking to get back right now and probably playing some golf in September feels like a good idea. But he's going to have to get the itch really quick because this isn't going to last that long. My one thing about this is I know he's not really an L.A. guy, but USC is just such a good job. I mean – and especially as you get a little older in your career, there's so much recruiting you're doing via car, 
via, you know, there's no other job, maybe Miami, but where you can round up, you know, 12 to 15 elite players without ever getting on an airplane. And, you know, that's just such a, a great job at USC. You can recruit so well. You have so much advantage over everybody else in the conference. I think that was uh, the thing you really enjoyed about Ohio State. Ohio State is the best job in the Big Ten. And you saw it where Michigan and, and, and Penn State, even with really good coaches, just couldn't catch up if you've really got it going because there's just more players in Ohio than any other state, and you control the state. And I think that would be very appealing to him is the idea like there is no way he doesn't win there. Um, they're willing to pretty much, you know, do whatever. I think they got all the money, I, I, you know, points well taken. You're going to have to spend a lot, but USC can make a lot. Um, I just think the job's so good that it's going to give him a little pause maybe earlier than he would have liked. Like if it's not going to be USC, what's it going to be? You can go get, you know, uh, an SEC job, but there's other schools that are going to be able to match you in in, in power, you know, or you could get, let's say, uh, Texas or Oklahoma, neither one of which looks like they're going to open anytime soon. But let's say one of those kind of there's still the other one there. Um, you just don't have that at USC. I mean, it's just such a great job to get cranking. It's like, yeah, Oregon can do great and Washington can be good and, and Stanford. But those guys are all fighting on your turf. They have to come in and recruit out of your backyard and, and you can just you can just be such a big deal. So uh, that's why I find it kind of interesting is, man, if this was 2020, I'd feel a lot stronger about him going, but I still don't know how he turns that down in 2019. Cause I guarantee he's spending time thinking here are the only jobs I would go get. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a short list and, and that's on the list. And if USC comes at him the right way, you know, with a great offer, and as Pete said, yeah, you can build the Empire staff, and we're going to have a good AD. Uh, whether that person's in place by late November or not, uh, you know, then I, I you'd give them a lot to think about. That's for sure. And as you said, I mean, basically for time immemorial, since the 1920s, USC has probably spent more time dominating the West than not dominating the West. You can go back to Howard Jones and John McKay and John Robinson and Pete Carroll. And I probably forgot a couple other coaches in there too, that, uh, you know, it is, it has been the job to have on the West coast forever. And to piggyback off that point and something Dan said earlier, um, where the parallels would be is, if you look at when he came to Ohio State, remember the Big Ten speed and, oh, like, yeah. you know, the league was a, right. the league was a punchline in a lot of ways. And not coincidentally, the Pac-12 is a punchline right now with the official with the glasses, Twitter handle and, you know, the, the network is a mess and no one's watching it. And uh, well, the network actually is fine. No, the fact that no one's watching it is the mess. And so here's this lagging, underachieving brand waiting sort of for like the shocks to be resuscitated. And uh, I, I do think it, it would follow a very similar track. I did a thoroughly unscientific review of the rivals.com recruiting rankings for the column I did on Clay Helton being on the hot seat. And of the 28 top committed players from California, only two are going to USC, four are going to Oregon, two are going to Ohio State, Two are going to LSU. Now, it's a little clunky because there's probably five quarterbacks and they have one quarterback. They're not going to take a few others. But the point is that, like, Oregon has dipped into California and is at least recruiting at the same level, actually a higher level, really, than uh, than that. I mean, Oregon is just on a roll right now. Uh, DJ Uyelahehe, the uh, big quarterback from Bosco, who's the number one high school player in the country, didn't even really have USC on his list. He's going to Clemson. So all these, like, little signs that you see – they have they're in the 50s in recruiting ranking. Now, Clay Helton has been public saying they're going to have a small class. But I thought it was really telling that their rival star average ranking was 3.0. Which is behind Washington State, behind Minnesota, behind play, people and programs, Illinois, like behind programs, USC should, yeah. you know, shouldn't even be in the same conversation with. Right. Not yeah. good enough. The recruiting's crazy. Uh, the top four players in California are probably all going to sign out of conference. LSU, Georgia, and two to Clemson. Um, it's just, uh, you know, everyone's leaving. I did a thing last year. I can't remember. I think it was like 
there was only like three or four of the top 10 signed in the Pac-12 last year. Um, so it is what it is. What, it kind of leads to one other thing with everyone leaving and going east to the southeast. Like Alabama and, and Clemson and Georgia, to agree, are just loading up. And if we're going to play this, I mean, we're going to play the games because we need coach fights. We need um, – <laughs> We need we really need good them. mullets. We need good <laughs> mullets from the players. Uh, we need ref controversies. But do we really need to even play this season? Are we just getting like Alabama Clemson part eight? And like, like, like this is inevitable as a Rocky movie. Like, is is anything going to stop this? Or, or, or do we know what the title game is going to be? Unless there's like some weird semifinal that's a de facto title game. Let me ask it this way. Would you take Alabama Clemson or Field to win the title? Oh, I'd definitely take Alabama Clemson. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Field. I'd take Alabama Clemson. Yeah. 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 I, you know, and I wrote last year that I think the Alabama Clemson rivalry is good. I, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, it's been surprising at times, it's been suspenseful. Last year yeah. was not suspenseful. But, but last year was great. Like, who thought yeah. that was coming? You know, I know. Like, no, right. I mean, that's what, like, in our job, that's what we do. We go to the stadium hoping we're going to see something unexpected. And that certainly was unexpected. So that was good. But, uh, no, I, I mean, they're on a different level right now. I, I think Georgia has a chance. Um, I, I, and that, I can't come up with a great argument for anyone else to have a chance. You know, you could throw around Michigan, Ohio State. You could throw around Oklahoma, Texas. I think you could maybe blue sky about Oregon, but I I see two teams that are way ahead and then one that's pursuing, and then I see everyone else. I think Texas A&M is two years away from making some calls a few weeks ago, just long-term recruiting ranking stuff. Kellen Mond, if he stays the next two years, like you could make an argument that if Elko is still running the defense, you got Jimbo with a high-end quarterback, like you can get there. But yeah, we're we're drawing up like strange hypotheticals to get to who will compete with these two. Uh, yeah, Georgia's and, about it. Yeah. You know? Clemson's yeah. recruiting right now is unlike anything I've ever seen in all the years I've done this. It's I mean, they crazy. are literally dominating coast to coast with all the best players. Uh, I just don't see that slowing down and their staff retention. Pat wrote about that last year uh, during, during the playoff has really been a key to consistency. And we get one more year of Trevor Lawrence after this one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, woo, it's going to be, hey, you know, we we talked about it last year a little, but it's like there's about 35 star players a year. So that's basically like a first round of NFL draft. And Clemson is picking up five first round picks a year. Well, like, Crazy. how the hell are you going to compete with that? Right. You give an NFL team five first round picks. Now, granted, Alabama might have four or, or somebody, you know, but, you know, Georgia's had its moments, but you get to the Michigan level. The Florida State, the they don't have any first round picks, and and you know at some point it's just like you can be pretty good. Notre Dame, Notre Dame will have like two five stars on their. They're really Notre Dame was a really good team last year, but at the end of the day, you just don't have it to compete at that level. And you, when you're seeing all these kids from California going to Clemson and things like that, or going going to Georgia, the rest of the country just can't. You know, it's just really hard to compete. You can we can talk about oh X and O where there's upsets. Or, I'll take my chances with five first round draft picks every year. Sure. Uh, you know, over Bill Belichick gaming something up. Okay. Right. So that's where we're at. And I just, I don't know if anyone can really, I, I'm with you. I think it's like, well, Georgia, maybe. And other than that, it's Alabama, Clemson. I, I don't know anybody can really beat these guys. Anyone? No. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's I hard to, you my it's hard to disagree the, with your brilliant stand, you know. Keep we're, listening we're all year. Yes. Since <laughs> we'll be back in December to break Complete down. Complete agreement yeah. on all topics from uh, the uh, no, I, All right. Uh, Ryan Day is at Ohio State. Here's another uh, topic for us. I think this is the most interesting team to watch, uh, or certainly coaching. I mean, rookie coach, never been a coach, never been a head coach, handed the keys to the Ferrari. You know, like, or, you know, here's, here's Earnhardt's car. Go win. Um, you just got your driver's license. Uh, I'm seeing all these picks. Michigan's going to win the Big Ten. I saw a lot of that. I, to me, that's just people just going, well, Urban's not there. Ohio State's going to take a step back because I still go, Ohio State has better players than Michigan. Um, what can we expect out of Ryan Day and – how does that factor into does Penn State and Michigan now have a, a, a chance 
to finally fulfill some promise and and really step up and contend. I know Iowa State doesn't always win technically win the the conference, but I don't think anybody. You know, forget what happens in Indianapolis. Ohio, Urban Meyer dominated the league. Um, what do you think, Pete? I know you you were you're either there or just there. Yeah, I was uh, I was there earlier in the in the week and uh, went to practice. I think on Monday. Um, you know, it's a different feel there. I, I think that's probably the the first thing that stuck out to me, Dan. Uh, you know, every day that Urban Meyer was there, you know, the old joke in the facility was it was fourth and one at every moment. Everyone walked around on eggshells. Everyone, what, what's he going to say next? What's he going to do? This is the players, the managers, the assistant coaches, the administrators. There was just sort of this like constant edge that he fostered. And Ryan Day has come in and he's he's going to be true to himself and he's going to be very different. Um, I don't know if you've ever you've ever met Ryan, Dan, but he is uh, he's he's remarkably normal and he's fairly low key. Now, he's certainly intense and he's certainly fiery. And I think he's one of the better offensive minds in all of football right now. Um, but he's not Urban Meyer. He does not have the same aura as as Urban Meyer. Um, and so the. The, the philosophy that they're trying to instill there is to motivate through love instead of through fear, basically. That was like the the general 30,000-foot theme that came out, of, uh, came out of my practice trip there. And uh, the players, you know, from being around the program and talking to guys and everything, really seemed to, to respond to it in, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I do think schematically they're going to look different. I think that, uh, you know, everything about that program is going to be different. Their defense was terrible last year. It was, by some categories, the worst defense in the history of Ohio State football. They brought in Jeff Halfley from the NFL. I, I think Urban's leadership was such on we're going to out we're going to play harder than other people. Um, I do think there's going to be more of an emphasis on scheme. And, you know, I think Ryan Day is in the top 1% of people in terms of, uh, in terms of schematics and, and play calling in, uh, in, in all college football this year. Um, in terms of the team, uh, Justin Fields is very good. They're not going to be able to run Justin Fields, uh, which is one of his strengths, because they would basically have me as the backup quarterback. Um, they just don't have any depth. Uh, at that position, so they can't risk any kind of any kind of injury. So, I do think it's going to handcuff the offense a little bit. They're going to build their identity around their defense, and uh, you know their their defensive end Chase, Chase Young. But yeah, he's number two, and yeah, his big blonde braids flowing out of his helmet. He is hard to hard to miss. So I think that like talent wise, they seem they seem fine. There's a good core of young linebackers uh, who have a chance to unseat some of the veteran guys there. In the secondary, I, I really thought they looked as talented as anyone in the country. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda, the the corner, Damon Arnett, the corner, and uh, Sean Wade, who's a young defensive back, who'll be a little bit of a hybrid guy. I really felt like personnel, they're in, they're in really good shape. And, you know, the variable here is like, you know, Ryan Day now, he, we saw him manage three games very well. You know, how does he manage? How does he manage the Big Ten? How does he manage that many games? And, you know, the the Michigan fascination is interesting to me because, at the very least with Ohio State, Ryan Day has proven that he can run an offense and score points and be prolific. Uh, I think the thing that's not maybe been talked about as much nationally about Michigan is basically Jim Harbaugh hired a guy he'd never met to run a system he's never run and completely changed the DNA of how that whole program is going to be run, bringing in Josh Gaddis to run uh, no, no huddle uh, spread tempo offense. And, and I think that's as fascinating as anything that's going on at Ohio State. Because at least at Ohio State, it's going to look pretty similar. Ryan's going to keep evolving their past game and, and doing some different things. They'll probably look a little more NFL than it has in the past. But for Jim Harbaugh, the most defiantly pro-style guy, the guy that sort of started the Stanford brand that we know of now, that's sort of the, the smash-mouth king from his time at Stanford. And obviously, they had a little bit more diverse offense with Kaepernick and San Francisco. But for him to go fully no-huddle spread, I, I think is really, really compelling uh, it could really highlight what Shea Patterson does, but at the same time, I do think there's some risk there. They also got McCaffrey, who could get time. Uh, you know, Shea Patterson's returning, but you hear a lot out of Ann Arbor that uh, that McCaffrey could could get, and he is very fast uh, as a quarterback. So we'll see how that goes. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. No, I mean that basically Ohio State is is banking on Ryan Day being Lincoln Riley of the Midwest, and and it may well work, may well be right. And they, the one area where they're probably a little bit ahead of where Oklahoma was when they made that leap of faith that turned out so well is 
they did see Ryan Lee, uh, Ryan Day coach three games, and he did a good job. Um, you know, and maybe you know, last year, you know how you guys know how Urban Meyer is. I mean, the melodrama and just kind of the the emotional ebbs and flows. And I wonder if that was a was a, a burden for that team last year because if you remember, I mean, while well, they were. 12 and one or whatever they ended up uh, 13 and one, they, they, they beat Penn state by a point. They beat Maryland by a point. They beat a terrible Nebraska team by five. They lost by 29 points to Purdue. I mean, they, they had some really shaky football games until they played Michigan. The last three games of the year, they played pretty well, but I, I, I just wonder if maybe a little more of a level coach uh could actually uh be to their their, their benefit i i still want to see justin fields and believe that he is an elite passer i i haven't seen that yet out of him but i didn't watch him in high school last year's team had such drama obviously and urban created a lot of it and he is he was he's just such so much drama with the guy it's just got to be something but and I, I go back to like you know bosa leaving the team when he could have had a chance like just, i'm not sure that team loved each other they had all these guys, but you know, a lot of those guys went to play for Urban. I, I have no doubt Ryan Day can can run a run a game or run the offense. But like, are those guys like do they thrive in the chaos and then all of a sudden it's not there? It's almost like a, a little bit of a personality shift. But I don't really expect Ohio State to drop off much. Um, it's just a little bit drops them back. And and there's certainly Penn State and Michigan are coming for them as best they can. And uh, you know, this is their opportunity because. Harbaugh could not beat uh, Urban Meyer, and um, to me, uh, he's got to get one of these, uh, you know, preferably the first game uh, against Ryan Day in in Ann Arbor. And Michigan could have a a lot to play for at that point. They have a huge game against Notre Dame. They got to get through the whole the whole thing. But Michigan's got a lot of talent and a lot of high hopes. And if if all of a sudden the rookie coach comes in and beats them, I mean that's just Man, that's a that's a that's a tough one for the Wolverines. Uh, you know, you need when the great coach leaves, you need the the ebb and flow to change. Uh, so I think it's going to be a pretty interesting Big Ten season just on on just at the top with those three programs. And and is Ohio State really a little bit wounded? Um, that that I do not know. Two two quick thoughts to to cap off Ohio State Michigan Dan. One is that obviously they haven't played a game yet with Ryan Day as the full time head coach, so we don't really know. But I do think it's important to point out that Ohio State right now is third in in recruiting overall nationally. So you know the aura of Urban Meyer is gone, and you have a relatively unknown first time head coach come in, and they're sitting there with an average star ranking of. 3.68 so really 3.7 and they've gone out and recruited elite receivers they've got an elite quarterback in the 2021 class and they've really just been the you know continued being the best big 10 recruiting team there um and, and the second one that i think is the most compelling subplot to ohio state michigan is that ryan day showed last year that against don brown he clearly had a schematic advantage. Now, Don Brown and Michigan had the best defense in the country coming in. Like, hey, we're number one in everything, right? And they hung, what was the final there, Pat? 52 Six, on them? 62. 62. Sorry, 62. Didn't mean to shortchange. Now, Ryan Day has coached against Don Brown for 25 years. And Ryan was the offensive coordinator at BC when Don was the defensive coordinator. So no one in the world knows Don Brown's system better than Ryan Day. And in one shot, he clearly showed he knew how to exploit it, rip it up sideways, forwards, and backwards. And so I think for all of the Michigan optimism that could come with this new system and maybe highlighting Shea Patterson better, that's, to me, the most fascinating X factor. Because the, the one thing Don Brown's shown, he's certainly elite coordinator, but there's been a few times since he's got to Michigan when things have gone bad, they've gone really bad. And he hasn't had answers. And nothing epitomized that more than the, uh, the 62 last November. All right, how about this one? Uh, Oklahoma has uh, been the team to beat the Big 12. Texas uh, has not lived up to what it it needs to of late. The big, of course, uh, punchline is always the... Texas is back, folks! They might actually be back this year. Uh, what are your thoughts in, in between those two, and, and can Texas overcome Oklahoma this year in the Big 12? 
Pat, we'll start with you. Oh, it's intriguing. It really is. You know, and I, I, to a degree, we're all prisoners of our last, uh, you know, experience with the team. And, and Texas was awesome in the Sugar Bowl against Ooh. a, you know, perhaps uninterested, sulking uh, Georgia team. But they dominated that game. Uh, and then, you know, Sam Ellinger's back. He played really well at uh, quarterback. Uh, Colin Johnson turned down the NFL to stay. Um, they've got some 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 gaps to fill on defense, but they've got a very promising team coming back and a lot of uh, optimism and enthusiasm. Thing is, though, I mean, I think Oklahoma has a very good team coming back as well. It's just the big question is, can Jalen Hurts do – he doesn't even have to do everything that Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield did, but if he's 65% as good as those guys, then he's a really good quarterback. They were both the Heisman Trophy winners, obviously – uh, Oklahoma's defense should be better. So I, I look at it, I still think Oklahoma is a step ahead as long as Jalen Hurts plays well. If not, then, yeah, we could maybe say Texas is back. Pete? Well, I mean, Texas beat Oklahoma last year in the regular season, obviously lost in the uh, in, in the Big 12 title game. Um, you know, both those games were quintessential Big 12 coin flip, big number games. Could have gone either, each game could have gone either way. So uh, I, I feel like, Texas now has an identity under Tom Herman. Sam Ellinger gives them their first true star since Colt McCoy, with my apologies to uh, Dante Foreman and a few other decent players who rolled through there. But the, the the point for Herman, I think that's really the most important, is that the recruiting is back at Mac Brown plus levels. And they're competing for not only the best players in Texas and getting them, but also the best players in the country. So, and, uh, and you remember, Pat, because we were both at Texas Herman's first signing day there, like, that was as like sad of a signing day as I've ever been to. You know, it was like he was like apologizing um, for that. And that tenor has shifted uh, has shifted slowly, but it's it's certainly uh, it's certainly shifted. And you know, I think things turned there once they finally figured out the offensive line, which had been brutal uh, in in his first season and was just sort of signs of atrophy from the uh, from the Charlie Strong era. And so, I I I think I think that's like the because it's even ish right now i i it's clearly oklahoma's ahead i don't i don't want to say that because they they've done it on the field and they they've done it for longer on, under lincoln riley but i do feel like we could be going into you know depending on whether either of them gets wanderlust um lincoln seeming more likely if the cowboys job opens than tom um i think we could be sitting at like a star wars level like entertainment value for the next 10 years um on i-35 yeah that'd be awesome they're both primed, man. They are primed. There's enough talent there. There's enough tradition. It, it really is exciting. And, you know, I, everyone always used to say, oh, the Big 12 needs to expand. The Big 12. I always said Big 12 needs Texas to pull its weight. When, mm-hmm. what, you know, you, you don't need to expand and get South Florida and Central Florida, which wouldn't have been bad. But Memphis, whatever they were looking around at, you need Texas to be back as as a because they can hit a level that TCU and. K-State and Baylor just can't quite hit on a consistent basis. Uh, those programs can be really good, and those can be your second-tier teams, but you need two big dogs, and they didn't have it for a while um, without it. So I, I think this this could get really interesting, and I really hope um, it does because uh, it, it makes that league matter, and it makes football in Texas matter and the Southwest matter a lot. Um, all right, let's get to uh, people getting fired because we've been a little bit too positive here. We yeah. really have. The, wow. Yeah, everybody's looking good at the beginning of the season. Right. Uh, they won't. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some, we'll get some Grim Reaper coming. Although um, not a ton of these contracts are too big. Uh, not a ton of guys on the hot seat. I did read Pete's uh, column on this, um, although – the uh, Gus Malzahn, oh. uh, just two years after his uh, notable extension that I literally at the time thought was a terrible idea for both sides. <laughs> I, I don't like that was a bad marriage from both sides. Now, I, I, look, Gus is owed twenty seven million after the season and he gets thirteen point five in the first 30 days. Someone's got to cut him a check for thirteen and a half million. So it's not that bad for him. But. He could be coaching at Arkansas, making the same amount of money right now if he had just gone to Arkansas like he should have instead of trying to hold this thing together at Auburn when I just 
I just don't see it happening. Is is this the big other than USC? Is this the biggest hot seat going? And can Auburn really pull this? I mean, you talk about money. He's going to drop twenty seven million to get rid of a guy. To me, it's the most fascinating drama in all of college football, which really Auburn is every year one way or another, right? They have the best defensive line (laughs) in all college football, hands down. They'll have a running quarterback, whoever ends up winning the job. Malzahn's back calling plays. They open against Oregon in Dallas. Huge showcase. Uh, Their road games off the top of my head are Florida, Texas A&M, and LSU. Their home games in November are Georgia and Alabama with uh, some UMass-ish flotsam and jetsam thrown in the uh, thrown in the middle there, Dan. The Minutemen are coming to Auburn. (laughs) No, I just some uh, the metaphoric Minutemen. Uh, I think it's a one. I think it's a one double A. So, okay. sorry. Yeah, you can cancel the family trip. Um, Yeah, you weren't going there anyway. (laughs) Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> hey, I got a great idea for the weekend. Let's go watch it. <laughs> Pack the girls in the van. <laughs> Let's go. We're going to go watch a team lose by 60. Yeah. So they have six very losable games, right? Like they should beat Oregon to open the year. But if they lost to Justin Herbert, it would be the number one pick in the draft. And they return 153 uh, starts on the offensive line. The Ducks do. So, like, they have six very losable games. And uh, I don't know. It's just Auburn. You can't make it up. It's just like the Bruce Pearl story Pat wrote this week, like with them seemingly making up a uh, self-imposed recruiting ban that didn't exist. Um, You know, it's just it's Auburn. Like the consistency of the theater of the absurd provided by Auburn is unmatched in all of college athletics. Dysfunction junction. So, I mean, would it surprise me really to see Auburn just pony up 31 million to get, you know, it would not. It would not. I mean, just because they they do irrational things with money down there on a regular basis when it comes to football. So uh, it would not necessarily stun me. And as you pointed out, Pete, the schedule is rife with difficulty. And I mean, if I'm looking at that and if if Malzahn's eight and four, I don't think it's a bad year. If he's better than that, I think he's done a good job. So. We'll see if they see it that way. If they lose to Alabama yet again, if they if they close the season with losses to Georgia and Alabama, and there hadn't been much glory before, then uh, he's probably in trouble. Just to torture, I decided to look up the UMass football schedule. <laughs> the funny part is, like, if you type in Alabama schedule into Google, like the football schedule pops up, not just as the first search result, but the literal schedule. Okay. You type UMass schedule in, and it says what the first day of school yeah. is. <laughs> biology, biology one thirty one at the campus center. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. freshman orientation, uh, parent parent weekend. Yeah, you got to type in. You got to be more specific. Oh, what it's really should be like. Why are you looking for that? Um, yeah, the Minutemen not playing a lot of big name teams. Although, boy, which one of you guys is going to staff the UMass at Rutgers game? <laughs> Eight. Yeah, 8.30, Dan, I'll, uh, August I'll 30th. I'll say this. I, I know we always do a lot of an irrational amount of UMass football talk on the podcast compared to the handful of listeners who even know UMass has a football program. Um, I was I was there in the in the spring to see to see Walt Bell. I live in Boston, so it's an easy, uh, easy trip over. And they tore down one end of the end zone, like the enclosure in the stadium, and they're putting in a beer garden. And if hey. that's not called the Dan hey Wetzel Beer Garden, <laughs> I think they're doing everything wrong at UMass. We need Depends a what they serve. What are they going to serve? Uh, probably <laughs> craft beer, like yeah. beer people yeah. would actually want to drink. Pat's actually going to send yeah. them the, the 12-pack of Bush Light collecting dust in his fridge to uh, to be served in your memory. If you pony yeah. up enough money, they'll serve whatever beer you want, man. Let's go, yeah. wealthy alum. Pony and I'll pony in a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand why people donate to their college. It's like giving extra money to the electric company. <laughs> I, I literally don't understand. Like, oh, I just gave a grand of my, uh, to my, uh, why? They, do, I paid already. Do, I paid to get the, the education. Yes, I, I learned enough to not give you idiots more money. Did you come out with some penny. Kind of warm feeling for your alma mater and you'd no, like to see other even, young people have some appreciation and some enjoyment and you can help them do that by giving some money to them? You just left no, with a hangover, no. Pat. I literally have never given one penny. Never will. 
Why? Wow. Why? Why of all the all the things I could give money to? Why would I give it to to a school? I mean, you well, somebody first of all with your daddy warbucks, you can give it to a lot of entities. But <laughs> I mean, look, this is a something that is don't doing good for young people, right? Right? I mean, yeah, they're charging them, but so you can I help live in them. Detroit. There's like a million schools that could really use some money if I wanted to donate money to a school. All right. Well, that's fine. Know. You can donate to the Greektown Casino College, too. For well, Greektown that's... Casino College, I have donated, but that was in losses when I returned <laughs> as a patron. Yeah. Anyway, UMass, I do not have priority seating, needless to say. Dan Wetzel, heartless I've, alum. Wow. I've only been on campus once in like since I left. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you don't. Pete knows you don't just stumble upon UMass. No, you're not no. just like my parents. My through. parents actually live pretty close to there, so that's why. Well, Pete might. Yeah, I, I went home for Mother's Day, so I swung. I swung through and saw the uh, Dan Wetzel Beer Garden uh, being built. Uh, back to football, people might actually care about uh, another interesting <laughs> nuance of Auburn is that they have displaced their president, a uh, puppet. I mean, gentleman by the name of Stephen Heath. Who got jettisoned in part Leith, because Leith, yeah. oh Leith, yeah sorry, um, in part because the board was unable to pull the full coup and pay Malzahn the thirty three million they would have owed him last year, so they have now cleared out that roadblock of a president. Remember there was like that time of uncertainty like two weeks last year where people were like, is Auburn really going to pay this much money to Gus Malzahn to fire him? So with with that roadblock gone, um, you know if they lose to Oregon, he could be he could be gone by the end of September. Um, wow. which is just the most Auburn thing in the history of Auburn. Yeah. Well, it was a bad idea. It was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking of good ideas, let's end the podcast on that. I think uh, we've uh, bored everybody enough <laughs> so far. More exciting chatter like this to come. Every uh, We're going to do one midweek. And, of course, our overreaction Monday, once the games start, we might even overreact on week zero. Maybe. There's only two games in week zero. Cole McDonald for Heisman. Two games, plenty to overreact to. Plenty. <laughs> I mean, literally, the overreaction would be to even react at all to week zero. How <laughs> sugar-free. I, I think we should uh, ask our, our listeners what they missed most about the podcast and put it in social media uh, at, at, at some juncture under one of our tweets about the podcast. Just okay. You know, if you're still listening, uh, yes, hit us yes. up on any of our Twitter feeds. What did you miss most about the podcast? So that we'll we'll try to we'll try to please. Uh, we should probably do this at the top of the podcast where more people listen. But well, you know, if you, you this is uh this is like uh you know true fandom. You're true. You're a true listener. We didn't if you're, if get to the barefoot beer bandit. He's gonna have to wait till next week. Oh. Yeah. All right. But yeah, we'll get back to beer bandits and animal attacks and other. Things. <laughs> we talked a lot of football. We did. Yeah. This is a real football gonna, podcast. People are gonna be like, man, that podcast used to be fun. What happened? <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of football. All right, we'll do better. Until next week, take care. One, two, three. Four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.